Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Pod. I'm Andy Rowe and Big Jim and Goody are with me as usual. We'll be looking back at the climax of the club season and all the key moments from the Premiership and URC finals. Plus, we'll be having a chat with Saracens hooker Theo Dan after they won their sixth title at the weekend. So settle back, enjoy, and make sure you're subscribed on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Goody, you weren't even at the game. No, no, I wasn't. Didn't bother? Nah, more important things to do. More important things to do in the world to go to the Prem final. Uh, Mainly just take my old man to uh, watch Coventry City at Wembley. Uh, in the championship playoff final. I'm not going to apologise for missing the Prem final. I've watched it. I've dissected it and I will. we will talk about it a lot. But I had a... I went last week about my unbelievable weekend in Dublin. I had a unbelievable Saturday with my dad. We all know everything that he's been through. How is he? He's good. He had a really good day out. I was a bit nervous because taking him off mum, and mum effectively is his carer, it's a bit of a responsibility. You're taking him to Wembley with 85,000 skins there. And he's in his mobility scooter. He can't walk too far. It was a hot day. And I'm just thinking, we're going to have an amazing day out, but I just need to make sure I bring him back to mum, back in one piece and hand him over. It's like when the grandparents hand the grandkids back and they're in one piece. It's like a relief, I reckon. So I had an unbelievable day Saturday taking the old man. It meant a hell of a lot to me. He spent months on end in hospital this year, broke two vertebrae in his back and his neck. And, you know, it just meant the world to me to be able to do it. Yes, the result didn't go our way and we lost on penalties. But to have a day like that with my dad, which I haven't been able to do for years and years and years. We were chatting, actually. I think like the last time he did anything like that was when I played rugby, coming to watch me play. So that's seven years ago. Everything he's done for me and my parents have done for me over my career. And they're always putting me first. To be able to do that meant the world. And, you know, the fact that he's a fighter, he's a battler, he's gone through hell with COVID, being in hospital on ventilators. And it just puts everything into perspective, really, just to spend some quality time with the old boy in the midst of a bunch of Kovskins, and he is a Kovskin through and through at the Wembley. So I didn't get to the Prem final. I've watched it. But more importantly, I had an unbelievable day with my dad that will live with me for forever, basically. It's um, a very special thing that we did. What a day out. Andrew, tell me what a responsible 
Andy Good does or looks like. Are we talking ten Guinness and black? Are we just talking a couple of bits of vape? Like how's a responsible Andrew Good? <laughs> well, I said to my mum, I said, "How many drinks can he have?" Because it's it's fill your boots hospitality, right? And mum's like, he can have two beers. I'm like, well, mum, in my world, two means ten, but I won't let him have ten. So I, I mean, I got tucked in. We got the train down there, took his mobility scooter with us, and everyone was super helpful getting it on and off the train and giving him a a seat and all this stuff and then dad had about six don't tell mum but dad had about oh my word so he's drinking out the velcro shoes by the end of it he had his boat shoes on so they were piss catchers which was great he had a glass of wine and five coronas but don't tell mum i could have sworn he nicked my vape off me at some point as well um, <laughs> had a couple of limes in the eye yeah, as well yeah, yeah yeah so we had a great day i was a bit more inebriated than my old man but um he was even trying to dance to free from desire he couldn't get out of his chair but he was giving it the la 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 so he had a great day and it meant the world to me so a very different weekend to dublin i bought him home responsibly at about 10 o'clock he went home a very happy man i think bar the result but just quality time you don't get to do it much with your parents anymore very, very special day for me and my old man. Well, Jim had a family day as well, but it didn't quite go as smoothly, did it? What do you mean? It was all right. It went fairly smooth. Oh, I know where you're heading with this. Actually, I kind of lied to you, Andy Rowe, because Andy Rowe was like, you're coming down to the Prem final. I was like, yeah, I'm going to be down there nice and early. So I had a half-five flight from Edinburgh to Stansted, my old bungalow mob, man of the people. And then I had a dinner in Dumfries, which I thought was 20 minutes from Edinburgh on the Friday night. Turns out it's a two-hour drive. So I didn't get in until half one, two in the morning. So I changed my flight slightly later, bringing JJ down to the game, the Saracen Sale game at Twickenham, and then had a Sunday in London as well. And the flight was delayed. Again, the way that travel works. So I rocked up, not late. We rocked up late for the lovely obligatories that happened before finals. So yeah, I was at the game at the weekend. Loved it. Bit hot. I'll be honest if I can moan. Bit hot. Bit sunny. I thought you were all about the summer rugby. Yeah, not too hot though. <laughs> not too sunny. The sun was blazing in the face. I'm burnt today. I know what you're wearing normally from day to day. You are a black jeans man, a black t-shirt, black trainers or Das Boutons. And you've gone down to Twickenham in 25 degrees of heat up from Bonnie, Scotland. Tell me what you wore. All black, Andrew. There you go. There you go. All black. And I said, JJ, you need to look as creative as your dad and edgy as your dad. He's wearing all black. He's like, Dad, I am boiling there. Can I take my T-shirt off? I was like, mate, we're not at the Cov City game. I was like, you leave your T-shirt on. We're sat here with Francois Pinar, Andy Farrell, some of the greatest and the good of rugby union. Even though you're shredded, I'm not having you sit with your top off next to me. But no, lovely weekend. Lovely family weekend. Like you say, Goody, we don't get to do it much. Yeah cut back on a bit of the weekend work I think I've said that about 10 times over the last 10 weeks got to enjoy a bit of time with JJ which was quite nice he's the easy one because he's 12 and basically he just goes off and he's got a phone now so I'm like mate off you go I'll ring you in a bit and come back but no good weekend went to the bike shed on Sunday to look at some old school motorbikes and some new school loved it I was in my element JJ not so much didn't enjoy it but busy weekend it is better when the sun's out let's be honest like you look at Andy Rowe look he was there at the final and he's sending me videos like loving it like I'm like I'm at a party at the stadium I was, it was like, like a festival it was like a festival you know what this was always the dream for rugby union was to make it an event not just the rugby on the pitch and I'm sure we will get onto that I've no doubt we will get onto that but actually the atmosphere at Twickenham and I know it wasn't a sellout and Andrew we were going back on voice notes weren't we about 
why and I can give the reasons why Saracens aren't a hugely supported club sale the same northerners salt of the earth work hard for their money are they going to come down to London cost a fortune on trains etc etc but the event and the atmosphere and the energy with everything going on in rugby and in the premiership I thought it was brilliant it was buzzing outside the stadium they put on a fantastic event and the game didn't disappoint as well so as an advert for rugby to keep it positive, we'll get on to the negatives and London Irish, but it was a brilliant, brilliant day out, great game, loved it. Well, Jim, you mentioned the videos that I've seen in you. I saw a video of you on a Watt bike in the weekend. Was that the Gillies Watt bike regime? How's that going for you? Yes, that wasn't at the weekend though, Andy Rowe. That was before we did the podcast. So I got on there, I thought I can put pressure because I'm in Paris for a couple of days with work. 100 days to go, lads, as of Wednesday to the World Cup. So we've got a big activation in Paris. So I thought I need to get my what bike miles in. It was an easy one because on the regime that Gilly sent me, it's like a slow burn. I think it's six weeks that we've got. It was a slow burn up up until the crescendo. I don't know what the crescendo is going to look like, but 30 minutes, that was me. And what I'm calling this is Goody versus Watt Bike. Yeah, the Watt Bike's winning like 100 nil at the minute because he ain't been on. Where are you, Andrew? I've still got to set my Watt Bike up, James. I've been out on the road bike as a warm-up. Promise? I promise. I said I'm not starting till I've got Dublin out of the system last week. That took about four days. And then I was taking my old man to Wembley this week, so I needed to get on it. And it's a bank holiday. We start Tuesday. I'm going to set the bike up tomorrow, which is today for all our listeners, and I will get posting because... What, what, what are you doing? No, you don't just post a picture of the bike. You actually have to like turn the wheel. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll follow, I'll follow the regime that Gilly sent, and my missus said, are you ever going to fucking get on that? And I'm like, what are you on about? It looks really good there, just sat there on its own. Anyway, we're going on holiday soon, so I need to shred. You know what you should do? You should go just in your pants and get a video of it like that so you can see like a before and after. And like there's a genuine authenticity of the difference that that's going to make over six weeks. So No one wants to see that, James. Either everyone or no one. Well, why don't we do a vote on the Rugby Pod channels? <laughs> and if it comes back as majority yes, let's get you in your skidders, on the bike, with your cleats in, with the fused ankle. And the belly hanging out over the top, right? If you breathe in, I don't know if you wear your band for the bike or what. It's, I don't know. You keen for that or not? Uh, well, I'll take one and I'll see if I can post it. I'll let the masses... No, I won't let the masses decide because I know I'll get rinsed. But uh, we'll I'll see. let the masses decide then. Thank you. There you go. And you can follow the lads' plan yourself. Just check out the workout section on the Watt Bike app and join Jim's plan if you want to train with the All Blacks or Goody's if you want a more leisurely pace. Let's talk about the game. 35-25 to Saris. Sale were in it though, weren't they? It was a pretty tight game. Yeah, they were in it. And Goody, I've only watched it at the game. And again, going back, and we've spoken about it loads, like you get a very different perspective when you're at the game. You don't get to see as much as you'd like close up. So it'd be interesting to get your take on it. It was a close game. I thought Saracen's going to win. I thought it was going to be close. I thought Sale looked the best they've been all season from where I was sitting. The way that they were moving around, bat three, Manu Tuolangi, and we'll get on to that. Was he injured? Did, did, no. He wasn't injured. Why'd they take him off? Well, this is the thing. We'll go into a few things and details of the game. And as you said, Jim was at the ground enjoying the atmosphere. But you, you watch it on TV and I got home. I was 10 deep from the, the football, got home and watched it after all the kids were asleep. Ended up watching it about 11.30 till about one o'clock in the morning. And you do your research and you do your studying for this podcast and I think Sarah looked back on it with a lot of regrets about some of the decisions that they made some of the 
changes that they made. And Manu Tuanangi is one I think personally was massive. He comes off on 67 minutes. Which he did in the semi as well for Sam James. But he's not injured. Okay, he flew out the line and tried to smash Faz, which led to Max Menon's try. But he was a point of difference for the team. You take that talisman off. Listen, Saracens have been the best team all year. Sale have pushed them close. Saracens, congratulations to them. They deserve the title. Some phenomenal performances. And we should start with the positives around Saris before we get into where Sale will be frustrated. Because Alex Sanderson, as a head coach, he's an analytical man. He's a philosopher. He's someone that looks back and looks in detail at a lot of stuff, doesn't he? And I'm sure he'll analyse some of the errors he made as a head coach. But Saracens, wow. You know, best team, head and shoulders all year. Owen Farrell. What a superstar. Actually, the king. He's now the king. Not only is he a six-time winner of the Premiership, I was equal with him until Saturday. I had five as a fly-half, and we were the most decorated fly-halves ever. But he is the most decorated Premiership fly-half now. Absolute legend. Man of the match performance. You know, the whole debate before the game around Farrell versus Ford, well, it wasn't even close, was it? George Ford, wonderful player, but I've said it. Don't want to be too harsh, but doesn't turn up or goes missing in big games. Whereas Farrell steps right up and takes the lead in big games. He was the dominant figure across the game, the physicality of the hits he was putting. I even saw him belt one of his own lads in the warm-up, like properly smoked one of his own boys in the warm-up. He's phenomenal. Alex Good at fullback. How many times have we seen in, in finals, going back in history, Alex Good putting kicks through that create tries? Chris Ashton, he did one, didn't he? I think it was Edinburgh up in Cla- against Claremont. Puts the kick through, which causes all sorts of panic at the back. Their senior players... You know, you lose one of your most senior players in Jamie George after 20 minutes, but the Saracen senior players stepped up like you wouldn't believe when it was on a knife edge, right? And it was on a knife edge till about 12 minutes to go, just after Manu goes off. Sale are right in the fight, but Saracen stepped up. And there's a couple of little errors by Sale throughout the game, a little bit of inexperience, and then Saracens take over. Carpenter gets that kick charge down, which led to the try which really turned the game yeah Saracen's subs were great Duncan Taylor when he came on who got the charge down made a big difference yeah you can see he made a huge difference who else came on who I thought was excellent as well Theo Dan was just Theo Dan ridiculous. brilliant you called it a few weeks ago didn't you a late sort of charge to the World Cup I think he's England hooker in the next couple of years whether or not he makes it to the World Cup but I think he goes I think he has to on that performance and what his point of difference the power on the lad the speed the ability to break tackles like ridiculous what a player yeah, of course. And Alex Anderson mentioned, actually, Rugby Pass got a really good interview with him after the game. Stating the obvious about Saracens have been there, they competed with the very best team up to 10 minutes to go at the end. But Saracens are proven, right? As in, you think, and look, we've been in finals before, Goody, we've lost finals, we've won finals. You have to be in it and feel what it feels like being in them situations. And they're only going to be better for it. And I thought Sale, like Goody said, there was a couple that like, taking Roebuck off, I thought he was been one of their best players and like you called it as well O'Flaherty that's not the wing that he normally plays on is it the right wing nah he's a lefty and you take Roebuck was outstanding you know you shouldn't have taken him the big another big one for me they had so much momentum Sale did with their scrum and winning that battle Simon McIntyre at loose prop was getting penalty after penalty off Riccioni and then they 45 minutes in they take the whole front row off Mm. and then that turn Bevan Rod comes on two minutes later he's given the penalty away at scrum time they got away with one, didn't they? Elliot Daly had his foot on the touchline when they thought he'd scored. Sale then have the line out, which they mess up the line out, give a scrum penalty away off the back of that as well, which led to three points. And it just changed that momentum. It changed that 
thought process of Luke Pearce, who, by the way, first Premiership final, I thought he was outstanding. I can't believe that was his first one. Yeah, yeah. But you got to tip the slipper as well to the refereeing team. Look at you. Look at you. <laughs> well, hold on. Credit where it's due. Tom Foley as TMO. I thought he was excellent. Van Ziel's try. He gave. Aka van der Merwe try. He gave. How good was he? Yeah. How good was Aka van der Merwe? Sorry, had to jump in on that. Awesome. Ridiculous. And I thought him, especially Tom Foley and Luke Pearce, handled the game exceptionally well. And tip of the slipper to them, they had the Doddy Tartan for the MND, My Name's Doddy Foundation, on their shirts as well. That's what I thought was an amazing touch as well. And you get to finals, it's really nice seeing things like that. But momentum swing. So why take your whole front row off in 45 minutes? It seems like a preconceived plan. But I think in finals, you sometimes just have to go with the feeling not on the field, even if you've got a plan to make substitutions at times. And they shouldn't have taken their front row off till probably 55, 60 minutes maybe, because they had such dominance there and it was turning for them. You know, Bevan Rod came on and did well, sort of ball in hand. He scored a try, floated a pass over the top, which was great. But when you've got that much momentum at scrum time, same thing that happened to Leicester in the semi-final. Why take Dan Cole off when you've got momentum? as you tighter, they're the most important players bar the tens on the pitch. So yeah, a few little errors that Sale will look back on and I'm no doubt Alex Anderson will analyse. Uh, a little bit of an experience in the back three. The, the back three have been brilliant all year, but Carpenter gets that kick charge down. The kick through by Alex Good in the first half, they're just out of position as well. And, you know, it was fine, fine margins that final that defined the winners. And Saracens lent on all their experience, all their high-class quality players with the experience of winning big finals like that. And Sale will be back without a shadow of a doubt. It's It's not the end for them it's the start and like you said you get experience from losing finals then you go on to win them later on and every team's done that every team in the world has lost a few to get to the the winner's post Saracens did years ago Toulon did in the Champions Cup and all that stuff and then you end up winning and winning and Sale will definitely bounce back but they will look back on that game with a few regrets about some of the decisions that Al Sanderson made as head coach on substitutions and then a few little errors that end up being massive in the game of such fine margins You've both touched on the experience factor. What is it that Sale would have learned that they'll be able to take into their next final to be successful? It's hard to put into words. It's the feeling. The feeling of the pressure, the build-up, the hysteria, the feeling of losing. It is a hard thing to talk about. Look, Goody's probably better than me because of the position that he played in. I was very emotion-led and charged. And by the end, I was very desperate. And I also played in a very good team, the bookend of my career. So at Leicester... And the experience which was in that team, it was littered with all the 2003 World Cup winners. And then the back end of my career at Saracens, it was littered with lads who'd been in finals. Like When I joined Saracens, they got beat by Northampton in the Prem final in extra time from a pick and go. Wayne Barnes apparently could see it, but no one else could see it. Hey, come on. Don't go after referees, Jim. Now, I love Barnes. He actually was asking for you at the Rugby Rioters dinner on Thursday. Uh, genuinely was. He was actually all right. I think he's forgiven you. Yeah. yeah and then Saracens went on to lose against Toulon. Uh, they got hammered in the, the European Cup then. They, they lost two finals, but being in them. So it's the experience of being in big moments, how you prepare for them. Alex Anderson as a coach as well. Yes, he's coached Saracens, but he's not had to make them decisions on taking players off the strategy around it. So there's a number of different things. Getting there, and, and this is the thing, like getting there, is so difficult. It's You look at the football. Like I looked at the Coventry and Luton having to do what they had to do to get to that point. It is an absolute slog. And the experience of getting to there and the time and the energy and the ups and the downs, 
Like you think about what Sale have been through this season. Like George Ford's been out for the majority of the season. Rob Depere's been playing 10. They've only just managed to move them out to 13. Manu Tuolangi's been in and out, been dropped for it from England, gets sent off for a high shot when he comes back against Northampton. Like there's a load of stuff in the mix, isn't there, that they've been kind of going through, like players retiring. So it's managing all them emotions and just going back to the point, Sale, nothing in it. Love the way that they played, but... Really, when you look at the season, Saracens have been on paper head and shoulders. Yes, they've stuttered through parts of the season, but it was a team that I picked to win it from the start and looking forward at the weekend for just the reasons that I've given. Yeah, one of Jim's favourite sayings is going to the well. How many times can you go to the well? And it's that knowledge and understanding in a final of going to the well. You get to the 67th, 68th minute and it's a close one. You know, that feeling of how to go and win a final and... In reality, Sale have got Manu, I think's won it. Johnny Hill's won it. There might be one of them. I'm trying to remember who it was. George Ford, but didn't really play in the final last year. Played 20 minutes and then was off. They've got three players that have won it there, whereas Saracens were littered with guys that have had that feeling of a tight final going to the well and understanding what it takes to win it in, in the dying minutes or whatever. And they've had that, not issue, but they've, they've had that situation where they've lost them before. As Jim said, Northampton when Waller scores the pick and go, which was definitely a try. I saw it with my own eyes. And, you know, and that's experience. It's really easy to say experience, but it's a feeling. It's the flippancy around going to the well and understanding it. And you can only have that if you've experienced it on the field and they're, you know, experienced emotions that get you through. And you've got Owen Farrell, who's the king. You mentioned Farrell's experience, right? So before Farrell took his last conversion, he runs over to Atoji and absolutely gives it to him, like screaming at him, barking orders at him. Then goes over, takes his conversion. While he's taking his conversion, Itoji goes and relays that message to his team. What would that message have been with that much time to go? Get fucking heads on for fucking kickoff. <laughs> fucking catch it, fuckers. Look, I, I'm sat there with his family, right? I'm watching their interactions. They are cool as cucumbers. They're winners. Really? Yeah, I'm sat there with all the Farrell teams. Andy Farrell, Owen's mum, his brother, his sister, the kids. And like we're up there screaming, like armpits sweating everywhere, dripping in sweat. There ain't a bead of sweat on any of them. Like they are just cool, calm, collected, and they're winners, aren't they? And that's what he is. And you see after, like Faz very rarely shows like hysteria in emotion unless he wins something. Yeah. Watch his emotion when he wins. Yeah. That's how much it means to him. And that his processes are very different. And look, we've gone through this. We joke about stuff when we do live shows around me being in that environment. I didn't really like it. I found it uncomfortable. That's because I've never been in an environment like that. And it turns out, going through the archives, it's like the last dance. Like, he's the Michael Jordan, I'm the Dennis Rodman. So <laughs> that emotion and that kind of feeling, the dynamics around it. Yeah. But I think it's there for all to see now. Like As in, he is running the show yes the coaches are but they've nurtured that yeah. they've embraced that they've manipulated that because they know the importance of him and giving him the keys to the kingdom yeah he's got the confidence and he's got the bollocks to talk to marrow like that and marrow's a decent player in his own right yes he's struggling for a little bit of form for what whatever reason at the minute but I'm not saying that George Ford doesn't do that or Dan Bigger does it to his players as well. Like I'm trying to think of Finn doesn't do it. Johnny Sexton does it, but... That's the character of true leaders, right? As a 10. Unapologetically as well. And you overstep the mark sometimes, no doubt about it. I used to do it at the clubs I was at. 
But the difference when Faz does it is he is playing at the top of his game and he's the leader and he's the one that you can't even question anything he does because you look at his performances on the pitch, he's out of this world. He's added so many strings to his bow this year with like ball playing skills. There was a flip out the back, I think, at the weekend as well, wasn't there? Like He's just ridiculous. In a 10 jersey, head and shoulders above anyone else. And when you're the leader, when you're the boss, when you're you know that driver of the team... That's what brings the best out of other players when you have that much intensity. And he's the king, basically, isn't he? Let's be honest. Just on that, Goody, right? That I thought this at the weekend when I was watching him play and he was up against Ford. I think him going to 12 ruined him a bit. I think that yep. he wanted to be in that position yep. because he was put in that position. He wanted to play for England or he played the Lions as well for at 12 a little mm. bit as well. So naturally, he's going to be like, yes, but I reckon that was the blip in his career. He's an alpha. Like he's a he's an alpha ten that needs to be running the show, and I've said it millions of times. Moving to twelve, he's nowhere near the player he is because he no. can't influence everyone in that in that same way. But how's everyone else picking him there? Like that's we're saying that as jokers are doing a podcast, albeit we are well involved in the game and understand the game from a bird's eye view. But you've got some of the best coaches in the world that are picking him at twelve. Well, they're looking at it from a a different view of I want to get my best players on the field in any which way. And I think what Faz has done is shown to everyone that he is the king at 10 and that's where his strengths are. Yes, he can fill a role at 12 if it's best for the team and he's never going to say, no, don't fucking pick me at 12, I want to play 10. Like you ask him in an interview, he's happy to play 12, but deep down he wants to be 10, he wants to be the boss. And when you give him that back in that he's got and the players around him and his own abilities, he's he's by far the best 10 well, in the Premiership comfortably and some. So, question for you though, Jim, you sat with all the Faz family. Are they all big listeners of the pod as well? I reckon his dad is, you know, genuinely. Oh, really? He's listened to snippets, yeah. You know, all right, Andy fucking, you know, Faz, you're a legend as well. <laughs> yeah, but it was, oh, hi Andy, hi Andy, I'm, I'm Jim. <laughs> Mate, he's got that aura around him, isn't he? Yeah, he has. He's like one of them. He is, Ledge. if not the greatest rugby player ever. Up there with the, I'm going to say it, he's up there with the likes of Lomu in terms of what he's done in the game, what he's won. Big statement that though, isn't it? Is he up there with Lomu? Yeah, that's huge. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, that's a huge statement. Hey, they win the World Cup, he's up there. Mate, he is in league and he's sort of come across to Union and okay, he wasn't the best player because he was at the back end of his career, but the impact he's had in coaching is phenomenal. I know, story for another day. So just one thing, people who are looking forward now to the World Cup, I know there's a few summer tests, friendlies, Owen Farrell on the form that he's on. Manu Tuolangi, the form that he's on at 12. Frightening. You saying England going to win it, Jim? Well, look how easy your side hey, is. Hey, come another on, ball. Come on, we'll get, to that. we'll get to that in another podcast, James. If you get out your pool. If you get out your pool. There we go. Well, we can have a chat now with one of Saracen's title winners and a man who played a huge role in the final hooker. Theo Dan joins us. How are you, mate? Mate, I'm brilliant. How are you guys we are very good. Theo, where are you? I've seen on social media, are you outside one of my establishments, the Wolfpack Bar? Say mine, own a small portion of it. We were, Jim, we were at Wolfpack yesterday. Um, at the moment, I'm just being, it's kind of the blind leading the blind. I'm just being led by Ben Earl at the moment. So yeah, we're at the moment, we're in Parsons Green, but uh, we'll see what the night takes us. Uh, the white horse is it. Straight to the white horse, boy. Sloney pony. That's the one. That's actually the one. <laughs> there you go. Mate, congratulations first and foremost, and we'll come on to the game in a bit, but... Fuck the game. How good have the celebrations been? Because Saracens have got history of celebrating more and better and bigger than anyone else when they win trophies. Alex Goo, tell me he's still somewhere in his kit, on fancy dress, on this. He's a dad now, so he's probably got to go home. But how good have the celebrations been? 
Goody's about 55 years old, but he's still going strong. He's like a 20 year old, isn't he? They've been unbelievable. Like, I grew up sort of watching watching the team, watching them sort of celebrate through the 2016 sort of period where they were, it just seemed like they were winning every year. So, sort of, to be able to be part of the sort of celebrations and actually be part of a title winning squad is, um, it's beyond my wildest dreams, to be honest. Yeah, and you've played a huge part in that as as well, mate. We can get on to that. Just give us a feeling of how it's been over the last couple of years. In the final last year, lost to Leicester in a tight game. I mean, what a finish it was last year. This year against a very good team like Sale, just with everything that Saracens has been through, people are calling it the redemption, but there is a new phase for this team now. You mentioned you watched it years ago. What's the feeling been like this year? Does it feel like redemption or is it just a new chapter? It feels like a new chapter. I feel like last year happened. I feel like we didn't put our best foot forward at all on the day. We didn't fire any shots. I guess this year was just a determination that it wouldn't happen again and that we would, um, when we do, we're just trying to put the best foot forward um, for us and sort of hold ourselves accountable and make sure that we're giving sale the best best version of ourselves so yeah it feels it feels like a new chapter and especially like um it is a lot of the younger team a lot more inexperienced than as it was um a few years ago when you had sort of the 2018-19 title winning squads so yeah it, it does feel like we've kind of just parked that chapter in the past and now we're on to something new right, it's been amazing now we've been talking you up especially jim has on the podcast your performances this year have been unbelievable obviously new to the scene for some people you a lot of the saracens boys would have known you for quite some time how good was it to get on you, you never want to see jamie george come off he's an experienced player he's one of the leaders there but to come on so early and have such a big impact you said it before to be part of the title winning squad you had a massive impact on the game and your performance was huge how good does that feel to be someone that's fully contributed on the field and you know had such big impacts mate you're making more breaks than me or jim ever made in our whole careers in one final mm, mm, yeah <laughs> um, i wouldn't go that far it's mental it hasn't hasn't, hasn't sunk in you know you're preparing yourself as if you're going to play the whole game but in your head you're thinking maybe especially because i haven't had much experience at that sort of level i was thinking maybe five minutes at the end when it's all won or when, hopefully if it's all lost you get a few minutes at the end, but uh, when you throw us on the pitch like that, because obviously Jamie got concussed and it all happened pretty quickly, you don't have you don't have the time to think about it. And I guess it's uh, sort of the best possible case scenario for me is that you didn't have to think about it. You didn't think, oh, does he have like a dead leg? Am I coming on? Am I not? It was almost a case of, you know, there's you just call my name and on you go. So yeah, throw us in the deep end, but it's it's just incredible, isn't it? Oh, it's amazing. You were one of the only players in the Saracens team that put, I'm going to say, a decent shot on Manu. You tackled him. I think I saw one tackle where you put him down. <laughs> what is he like to tackle? Because we've been talking him up. Like, he's on fire and he was on fire in the game as well. He's an absolute savage, isn't he? He's he's a beast and he's he's someone that I've grown up. So I used to be a centre back in the days. So I grew up watching him, idolising him. And uh, yeah, when he runs at you, I'm I'm really lucky that he ran sort of on an outside ox I was just literally grappling at legs but oh I genuinely that's the last person you want to see looking at you and iron you up to run straight at you he's honestly he's absolute savage isn't he were you happy to see him go off I don't know if you saw him go off and you're like thank god for that well yeah it's just off, off sort of the first phase sort of attacks off their line out when you've got manual first receiver it's realistically that's all you focus on because you know he makes he makes so many meters post contact, and um, and obviously he made a few few pretty clean breaks on the weekend. And 
when he comes off it does it does change the sort of dynamic of how you're defending and of course yeah he is that talisman isn't he yeah you're high-fiving each other no doubt about it man who man who's gone lads happy days <laughs> <laughs> i want to just rewind you mentioned then about you used to play center and now you're obviously playing hooker tom young's did the same thing right he was an unbelievable center when he was coming through shifted to hooker has he been a bit of an inspiration that or is it more a case of you just didn't grow tall enough to carry on being a center now you've got to play hooker yeah it's, it's funny that I've, i guess i was this height when i was 15 16 years old and i thought you know what I might grow a few more inches i'll be six foot two six foot three and it'll be sweet but uh no unfortunately my genes didn't bless me and i stopped growing at 16 and then suddenly i started growing wider rather than <laughs> upwards <laughs> so obviously jim your best mate Kelly Brown, he was uh, he was the one that made the call to make me go to hooker. You owe Jim your career then? Yeah, because I'm mates with him. Well, listen, I'd, <laughs> I can tell you for sure now, I'd rather be a centre than a hooker. <laughs> <laughs> well, mate, you're carving up it is much of a muchness. To thank, I don't, I don't really know how to look at it to be honest. You're doing a hell of a job at hooker, but you were at Amp Till earlier in the season, weren't you? Out on loan for a bit. What a turnaround! And you know, the future for you now, Jim's mentioned it a bit of a bolter potentially for the World Cup. Uh, playing that well. Have you had any thoughts about that or what are the emotions from going from Amptil on loan to winning the title on Saturday and, uh, you know, having a massive impact on the game? The Amptil stuff was, it was, it was brilliant for me. I spent a year and a half there on loan. My first five games of the year were Amptil and the champ. I've learned so much from it. Being able to actually play regular game time against real hard sort of champ veterans and you start to learn the dark arts that people aren't as, uh, you know, they're not actually that nice when they go on the pitch. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really grateful to Amtel for all they've done for me and uh, sort of give me an opportunity to play every week. But yeah, this, this year has been, um, it's gone beyond my wildest dreams, to be honest. I never thought that at the start of the year, you know, running out for Amtel against Coverway that I'd be playing in the Premiership final, let alone to win it. And let alone playing 70 minutes, obviously. Jamie came off early, but this whole season's gone by in a blink and it hasn't really sunk in. But yeah, I guess... When you saw a layout like that, it has been pretty mental, to be honest. Yeah, it's class. I just want to ask one question on the dark arts. Being out on day two or day three, I'm trying to think what it is. Are the the boys still there? And I mean the boys, like the superstars. Is Faz out? Is he still out or not? He only does one night, doesn't he? He's, he's <laughs> a bit of a loose drinker on day one. Faz was out yesterday and he was uh, brilliant form. And all the, all the boys were out yesterday, obviously day after, and then... Uh, Day three has been a bit of a it's been a bit of a splinter crew. It's been quite a lot of the boys who are living in London, in and around the sort of area. I'm buzzing to be a part of it. And what's the itinerary been then? So you win the Prem on Saturday. Where did you go? What was the after party like? Where where was that? And then Sunday, I saw you at the ship yesterday with Laura Woods as well, just getting pictures. And then today, you're all over the place in London. Win the Premiership, and after that, it was Beach House and Snorbins. So, uh, Jim, I reckon you've been part of a few of those, haven't you? Yeah, low-key, low-key in there. You, you're desperate to get in the mix. So, yeah, that was sort of players and partners. And then the day after was Wolfpack in West Hampstead. It was into ship, into Infernos. Oh, Infernos, <laughs> legends. The sticky carpet. Into the sticky carpet, what an establishment. It's brilliant, it's brilliant. And then today was being a today, as I said, it was been a bit of a splinter crew. Whoever's whoever's about, whoever still fancies it, yeah, we've had a great turnout. Obviously, Goody's still going on, still going strong, and yeah, I reckon tomorrow will be the day when we will tap out. But all the boys are going on holiday at the moment, so it might look like they're all they're all going to keep on going for next week. Yeah, we'll look after Goody. He loses his hearing <laughs> after day one, so 
He starts speaking a bit weird. Okay. <laughs> Has he got his bum bag on again or not? Bum bag is not, uh, it's not part of the itinerary this year. I feel like that's been retired two years ago. I feel like you can't really top that. Last thing I'll ask you then, obviously we talked about it. Jamie comes off after 10 minutes. You play 70. All the pictures across social media are Jamie, George taking the cup to bed, sleeping with the cup, waking up with the cup. Are you like, hang on a minute, mate. I played 70 here. What are you doing with the trophy? <laughs> <laughs> when you win six premierships, you can do whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> Very true, Theo. Very humble, true. keep it humble. Awesome to have you as well, especially in amongst, what day is it today? Mad Monday, as we used to call it back in the day. All right, Theo, thank you very much for coming on the show, mate. We'll let you go and get yourself another cold pint. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks for having me. Legend. Good luck for the rest of whatever comes, mate. Go hard. Don't give up. Last man standing. <laughs> Top, Top lad. lad. Yeah, he is. Imagine that, though. Like, imagine... Uh, you think back to the glory days of when we played and won it and you have the piss-ups and all that stuff. You're a young kid. You started out at Amp Till on loan at the start of the season. Then you get to the end of the season. And he was... Faz got man of the match, but he was very close, I reckon, Theo Dan to mm. winning man of the match and you know the story about it but just imagine the feeling being on the smash for three days winning a title that perhaps at the start of the season you didn't think you'd have much to do with like he's on cloud nine isn't he and Jim says he's going to the World Cup what dreams are made of yeah. isn't it really when you look at it I, I think he's going I, I think he is that powerful that you can't not take him point of difference and the fact that he came on in the final 70 minutes up against Ewan Ashman when he came on, Aka van der Merwe, who was standout in the game as well, and not only held his own, was standout. Yeah. Like that for that says it all, doesn't it? And you look at the rise, it doesn't matter. If you're good enough, you're ready. And I think Hooker's one position where England have been looking to see who's going to be next with Jamie George, Luke Cowan Dickey, the power that he brings or brought. I know that he's on the verge of going to sale now, but with the injuries that he's had, you look at players around now in that position. And I know he said about playing central, playing wing, he'd go back. That has given him the foundations. And Tom Young's, the comparison to him is the perfect example because the power, well, even on that, for the people listening to this, we obviously saw him as well because it was done virtually. The neck on him as well. Yeah, That's his point of difference. And he came on and he had an early throw. And I remember watching him earlier in the season. I think he came on against Ospreys. It just didn't go right for him. He dropped the ball a couple of times, kept getting himself in the position, gave away a couple of penalties. And you could see, and he's just kept coming and going and going. So without fanboying him too much, I'm telling you now, he, he ain't far away. Let's fanboy him. I like him. What a ledge. Yeah. I think he's an outside shot to not only just go, I don't want to put too much pressure on him, but you know what I'm going to say? I'm not going to say it. He's going to win us the World Cup. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine us saying that and then cut it up and it's England-Scotland in the final and he's at the back of that mall. Yeah, England-France. England-France, maybe. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. 
This episode is brought to you by 7-Eleven. Cold Slurpee drinks and a hot summer day are a match made in heaven, and your favorite refreshment just got even better. Let's talk about 7-Eleven's $1 small Slurpee drink with seven rewards. It's the classic frozen fizzy treat you can't get anywhere else. I'm a blue raspberry guy. Just know that about me. Know that about me going forward. Anytime there's a drink like this, I'm in on the blue raspberry. If you're feeling thirsty, feeling thirsty right now, how about going to visit a 7-Eleven valid through 1725? 7-Eleven has the right to end this promotion early, plus tax, participating U.S. stores. See app for full terms. All rights reserved. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Should we talk about, I was going to say off the field, but it happened on the field as well, the drama on the field. Those idiots, those just stop oil, is that what it was? Well, they achieved their goal of me knowing who they are, but what the hell was that about? Drama. I don't know, they ran onto the field, they stormed the field and there was a bit of a stare. I didn't really know, I was, I was just wanted to see Willies. I was like, where are they? I couldn't see anything. And then I've just seen a blow of orange. I was like, what is going on here? And then it triggered as they walked off. I say walked off, Tom Curry basically carried one off upside down. I tell you what, it's done millions of views on social media. So They're idiots. I'm just, yeah, of course, well, of course they're idiots, Andrew. But one was a doctor, wasn't he? One was a doctor and one was a builder's labourer or something. I hope he's not a doctor anymore because he's an absolute clown and he should have a criminal record. It's just ridiculous. What are you thinking? Good. You say he's a doctor, right? He's probably sees himself, what they call it, when you see yourself as something like you could be a cat or you can be a hamster or a goldfish. <laughs> Deluded. Deluded, that is, Jim. He's a doctor. I think that that's what it is. Well, you're, you're a doctor, aren't you? PhD? No, that's Pishlap. That's David Pish. He's, got, he's a PhD. Pishad Dave. Yeah, there we go. Good. You're a policeman, aren't you? Well, I'm not a policeman, but if I was in the police, I'd be a policeman. Yeah, I would. 100% would. I, I'll be honest. I would be an officer like, because I'd be, I'm a leader. Let's just give us some context. Go on. You've called Shauna Brown out and it's done the rounds and even I was taken aback by it, Andrew. So, Well, you set the scene, Jim, and I'll give you what I think. I'll, I'll set the scene. So there's a big game on Sunday, as we know, because we've been promoting it for the last few weeks. World 15 versus the Barbarian. Steve Hansen, former police officer, <laughs> versus Eddie Jones. And then I'm watching Alex Payne, one of the greatest, right? Alex Payne, is, for me, is one of the greatest <laughs> presenters. His podcast is pretty crap. But I'm watching him on TV and he's just heard from the interview from Steve Hansen. It's a stereotypical few lines from Steve Hansen. Alex Payne just says, oh, yeah, he's stern, ex-policeman, no issues. And then Shauna Brown takes a mic. She says, no, police officer. And then Alex Payne has to change. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, he's a police officer. I don't even know what's going on, but Goody's called her out on social media. And, you know, without being too harsh like it's completely fair enough like I, I don't know where someone f can feel entitled I would say to call someone out who's one of the greatest presenters just doing his job trying his hardest there's a lot going on mm. it's a game of rugby at the weekend Steve Hansen was a policeman he sees himself without speaking for him as a man I know we're going probably deep into other stuff here 
but I'm sticking up for my partner in crime. I don't stick up for him a lot on social media, Andrew Good, but I'm sticking up for him now. And look, you've got to call stuff out when you see it. If Shauna can call Alex Payne out on TV, we can have our opinion on here. And that is the big thing in all this. Shauna Brown is on Channel 5 for the World 15 Against the Barbarians, right? Free to air. Free to air. Everyone's seeing that. She's got the privilege of being stood pitch side. And that's what she picks up. She picks up, it corrects Alex Payne, who, as you said, is, you know, historically he's been in this game for 20 odd years. He was brilliant at Sky, calling him out on that, making him say on air. Making him look like a knob. Yeah. It was rude uh, the way she came across, I thought. And the way it was patronising, right? And I'm sat there going, people want entertaining watching TV. So you watch, I watch Sky Sports, the football, I watch Gary Neville, I watch Jamie Carragher, Micka Richards. Yeah. R- Micka Richards. Thierry Henry. Always having a laugh, always enjoying it. And that's what's entertaining. Let the rugby world, and we've gone, and I'll say it, it's gone down a different path. This isn't what people want to watch. Like, if you're calling them out on TV, I'll call you out on social media. And people are like, oh, you shouldn't have added her. Well, she's done it to him in front of millions of people, potentially. I'm sorry, it's got to stop because we want to entertain people. We want people to be authentic. We want people to have fun with it. And, you know, I do a lot of TV work where sometimes you're just worried about what you've got to say. You know, the eyes are going up on things like Gary Neville, Carragher, going at each other, day in, day out, you know, Everyone's allowed an opinion. You don't have to agree with it, but you want to be able to give your honest opinion. And a lot of people on TV feel they can't now um, because they have to be so careful about what they say. Don't offend people too much. Don't go too hard on a player that's made an error or a referee. It's all apologetic and it's just, it's not entertaining. All I know is that Steve, in my mind, was a policeman. He's a policeman. I'm looking at him. He's a man. I saw him at stage at the Ruby Writers Ward and from where I was sat, he looked like a man. (laughs) There we go. Rant over. Well, I asked you guys the question, could Munster do another one away from home? And you seem pretty confident for good reason. Yeah, momentum was on their side. It really was. It was close. It was a close game. So it wasn't all their way. But a, a quick evaluation of the game, they were the better team yeah. on the day. A lot across the board, really. It was close. Again, you talk about experience. I know that the Stormers won it last year. But you think about the experience of some of their Munster players and they were the ones for me. Conor Murray for me is kicking game, is short kicking game, is probably what won Munster the game. And there was a load of standout moments in that couple of yellow cards across the board. But I thought Conor Murray is short kicking game, is box kicking throughout is what got Munster across the line. Stormers get the first try, Manny Leboc intercepts, so it's an opportunist try. Frisch goes for the offload when he thinks advantage is being played, and Piardi, the referee, had called advantage over. So Frisch throwing that offload, Leboc intercepting, was against the run of play. I thought it was a dominant performance by Munster. Heroic. It was heroic, like genuinely. And look, the difference between the two games were the conditions. The pitch underfoot wasn't amazing. But in saying that, Munster went into this fully loaded. They had Conor Murray back. They had RG Snyman on the bench who came on early for Peter Romani. RG Snyman was... Oh, good. Oh, he was He was world-class. Yeah. He had some world-class touches. Everything that RG Snyman's been through with his knees and the burns exactly. and everything like that. Redid his ACL, didn't he? Yeah. Like, it's a phenomenal story. Going back to your homeland as well, with a point to prove. People questioning why Munster was so loyal to him. Well, that's what you get back. Because Munster could have torn up his contract on possibly a you know an injury clause etc but Munster a great rugby club did the right thing and then he repays them in spades in his own sort of home country doesn't he 
Yeah, you could see. And the momentum's gathered for Munster. And like, so they had him back off the bench. Malachi Fekatoa as well was brilliant, leaving at the end of the season. Tell the selfie that. Oh, my word. <laughs> Someone's bringing that back out, are they not? <laughs> I'm happy to see it. It was a complete performance by Munster, like it really was. Driving line-out was good. Yeah, you talk about it, a complete performance. You look at the stats, 66% possession. That's the way the evolution of Munster and how they've changed from historically what you expect a Munster team to do, drive, box, kick, be tough, you know, uh, defend well, all that stuff, to now, with, and I said it last week, with Prendergast coming in, making a big difference, Graham Roundtree backing the boys to play with the ball, not the old school Leicester way or the way other teams have been coached. He has enhanced the players in allowing them to play and taking those risks. 57% territory. They had two tries disallowed as well, which... I thought one of them was a bit harsh. Gavin Coombs, I thought one was a bit harsh. The pick and go. He was unreal. He was unreal. He got the charge down on about 74 minutes on Manny Leboc. You talk about like kicking game and all the the small intricacies around that. He got the charge down, which resulted in Hodnett's winning try. Yeah, and that's a massive moment because, you know, ultimately, Manny Leboc has been the star player for the Stormers this year, hasn't he? We've talked about him all year. I've, I've... Wax lyrical about him, you know, maybe celebrated that intercept a little bit too hard with the finger. Do you see that one come out? Mm, yeah, mm. he was pointing at Omani, weren't he? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, then you rewind even further. If there's one team you don't need to wind up, it's Munster. And go, just going back to the video the Storm was celebrating, they were celebrating the fact that they've got a home final and not having to go to Leinster when Munster beat Leinster in the semi. But then Joseph Dweber what he's come out with, we're going to fuck you up, <laughs> like that. It's just motivation for a Munster team, isn't it? And you put that in Peter Omani's head and, of course, they're going to say, no, it didn't necessarily motivate us, but it was noted. The work rate, the effort, Munster-esque, but the quality that they've shown, Crowley at 10, you know, he has been a phenomenon, I think, as well. And, you know, Mine LeBock, massive error with the charge down kick because he was he stepped one didn't he then he thought I'll stand my 22 and kick it that leads to the try you know even you go to the final play when they're turning them all over you know that is monster DNA through and through and I'm just so chuffed for Graham O'Rountree because he's now officially crowned as Graham O'Rountree and everyone was asking questions at the start of the year weren't they they were pretty poor they were evolving as a team getting away from Van Graham's way of playing Prendergast was settling in as attack coach and it was heroic you know it was you name all the big names but you know Stephen Archer I thought he was out of this world as well Tyburn as ever I don't think I've ever seen Tyburn have a bad game like he is just monstering people and the whole squad has evolved this year some good young players coming through and Graham Roundtree has added value to every single one of them and, and improved their performance. And you know, what a way to finish the season. He hasn't played a home game in about six months off the back of being in South Africa, beating the Stormers, and then coming back and going quarterfinal, semifinal, final, all the way from home. They've done it the toughest of ways. And the scenes, we're recording this on a Monday night. There's a sellout at Toman Park for the return of Munster from South Africa. And it's going to be scenes, I can't wait to look at it on social media, very similar to the La Rochelle scenes that we've seen, because it's huge for the province, absolutely massive. Especially where they've been, which is nowhere, really, speaking frankly. Yeah. Like, that you think back in the day, back in our day, early on, Goody, it was like the Munster, you've got Ronan O'Gara, Paul O'Connell, Dodico O'Callaghan. Stringer. Yeah, oh, of course, like Peter Stringer, uh, Quinlan. Allen. 
Doug Howler. Yeah, I love that. There the he is. <laughs> it was good. It was very good for him. It was very good for him. Yeah. Doug, he was. They were unreal back in the day. Yeah, they really were. So for them to get a little bit of glory, I say a little bit, they've won the bloody URC and they've done it the hard way. You think about what they've done. Beat the Stormers away. Beat Leinster away. And this is what they spoke about, didn't they? They've been on the road yeah. the whole time. Yeah. And how good was John Hodnett's interview after? Ah, fuck, yeah, fuck. Oh, sorry. And then Omani's <laughs> oh, face has just given it, oh no. <laughs> yeah, he knows. Omani, Omani's old school though. Is yeah, this, this is new school. It. You can't beat a bit of swearing. He loved uh, it. But you mentioned some of the players that turned up. We spoke about RG Snyman as well, but Alex... Kendallin as well off the bench. He was involved in that turnover lineout with Ty Byrne, Craig Casey. I thought Ben Healy was zipping the ball around when he came on. And then the story around Keith Earls as well. Yeah. Like phenomenal player for Ireland, Munster off at the end of the season. So And just remind your minds back a year, right? Just over a year. They had the quarter final away at Ulster in the URC and they were absolutely shocking. It was the end of Van Graham's era. They were really poor. It looked like there was no fight in the jersey. And to flip that round in a year and win the thing away from home at the Stormers, you know, sell out Stormers, it looked amazing, the atmosphere. And that the fact that I remember John Dobson said this week they could have sold it five times over. So it is a phenomenal achievement. And Graham Roundtree, Graham O. Roundtree is an absolute legend and will be held in high esteem in Munster for the rest of his life now. Yeah, loving it. Congrats, Munster and Graham O'Rountree forever. Well, should we wrap up the season then and look at your favourite players and favourite moments? We'll start with the Premiership. Who is your player of the season? It's very easy for me, but I'll let Jim go first on this one because, yeah, the King is going to get it from me. James? It's easy just to go top of the league, dominance all year, but you have to because they've been dominant all year, Saracens, and they won the final at the weekend. If I was to go forward, I can't look past Benel. Yeah, agree. Agree. Great shout. If we go through the archives, though, and it's so hard because a lot has happened, I look at Tom Pearson as well in the back yeah. row for London Irish. He, for me, has been standout. Would you say breakthrough? You could potentially say that as well. But I think consistently, and I don't know what the numbers are, maybe we should start adding in some stats as we look forward to the World Cup. But more specifically, I think Benel has been standout had a bit of time at Bristol's was coming through at that point hasn't had a sniff at all with England for me he's been the standout yeah I'm going to stick with Benel I'm going to go with him challenge me if you may no I completely agree with you I always believe that the player has to come from the winning team who's had the biggest impact on that because it's about winning and Benel has been ridiculous all year in every game he's played apart from when Steve Borthwick told him to put a grubber kick through against Italy. But in the Prem, he's been worldy. So yeah, completely agree. Just a special shout out, and he got injured at the end. Val Rapava Ruskin for Gloucester was brilliant until he got injured. And friend of the show, Jasper Visa for Leicester at number eight has been standout brilliant. Yeah, he really has. He really has. Backs wise, and I think the overall winner, because backs are more important than forwards. Um, standout performances, Ollie Lawrence, friend of the show as well. Everything that he went through, and we had him on here back in pre-Christmas, wasn't it, when Worcester were going to the wall and all that stuff. He's gone to Bath, he's torn up trees. He'd been a fabulous player, got the Premiership Player of the Year. And one of the one I want to mention, under the radar, got to the final, had a massive impact on sale. Gus War at nine. I've watched him a lot this year. I think he's been brilliant. And because he's not the big name that the Manu Tuolangis are or the George Fords or other players in that team... He perhaps doesn't get the airtime, but I think he's been absolutely standout for sale. But the winner, hands down winner for me, uh, and I said it a few weeks ago on here when I felt he should have got 
player of the season for the Prem is the King, Owen Farrell. Six-time Premiership winner now. He's just got one more than me as well. That hurts a little bit. But as a performer on the biggest of stages, week to week this year, his game has evolved no end as a 10. He has been fantastic every time he's taken the field for Saracens in that 10 jersey. So for me, he gets the man of the match in the final and he has been my Premiership Player of the Year. Yeah, he's been unreal. And what about the URC, your player of the season? Well, let's go with the same vein. Let's go for a winner. Uh, There's been loads in the URC as well. Uh, The Connacht back row that we've gone through, Hurley Langton, big shout out to him as well. Under the radar, people wouldn't have heard about him too much. Jack Dempsey at Glasgow has been carving up. He's been one of my favourite players as well. But I've got to go for another number eight. Played at the weekend. Numbers are outrageous. Don't know how he gets into the Ireland team. I think he does at some point. But Gavin Coombs, we spoke about him maybe three years ago. I reckon I was saying, like, this lad's the real deal. He's the real deal. He got the charge down at the weekend on Marnie Leboc, which forced the turnover, which Munster went off to score John Hodner in the corner. And I think he's brilliant. I think he's been a brilliant player. He's uh, a massive human being, ball of a man, outplayed Ivan Roos, friend of the show, who's there or thereabouts for the number eight jersey for South Africa. Gavin Coombs, it's for you, mate. Yeah, definitely. Good shout, Jim. In the backs, there's a few names, actually. We're going to start off, shout out to a uh, a very Scottish name, Sione Muktupalotu. He's been brilliant for Glasgow all year, so we'll give him a shout out. Matt Hansen, friend of the show, friend of the Big Jim show as well. You got your tattoo yet, Jim, or not? I'm going over to Connacht to get it. We didn't have time in London. That was more him than me. Yeah, there we go. But it's happening. So, yeah, Matt Hansen's been standout as well for Connacht. Over in South Africa, Marnie Leboc, every time I watch him play, he produces worldly performances until he got the charge down kick in the final. So he's been outstanding for the Stormers. But the winner for me, just pure testicle size on a rugby field. He dropped the goal to take Munster into the final. Jack Crowley, standout year for him. Led the team at 10. He's been brilliant all year, I think, since he's got the 10 jersey. Some massive impacts on Munster. He's a champion, so I'm going to go Jack Crowley as the back of the season for the URC. Yeah, uh, Cantillary as well. Sebastian Cantillary for Glasgow. Big shout out to him. He's been very good as well. And what about your favourite moment? What's been your favourite moment from the whole season? Oh, amongst all the negativity and the drama. It's be positive. Look, I've got to say it, and people are going to hate me for saying it. I'm really happy with the final that we got in the Premiership because I love Sale, I love Alex Sanderson, but to see Saracens go on and redeem themselves, and I was there, and look, it's easy. Fuck it, I'm not apologising for anything. To absolutely no one. (laughs) I was there with Nigel Ray and Lucy Ray and Dominic, the new owner, and the deep-rooted emotion and love that they have for the team and the investment that they've put in, albeit a little bit too much a few years ago, but I was there with them and it was real. And to see that that moment myself for everything that Saracens gave me, the one-bed flat in Luton, we've gone through the archives, genuinely seeing them win that trophy at the weekend, I was very, very happy about it. And, and, you know, and on that, I'm going to piggyback it as well with watching Munster as well. Munster have struggled this season all year, Graham O'Roundtree, it was potentially going to be Wigsville again. He might have been back to Georgia. He might have even got the Romania gig. You're thinking, what's going to happen? Are they going to bring Ronan O'Gara back? Because Munster just aren't the team at all that they have been. And 
it's an easy thing to say when it, when teams win it they're the best moments, but winning the trophies is what rugby's about, right? 100%. That's what it is. That's why you do it. So I'm going to go, my best moments is watching Saracen's Redemption and Munster come through the back door, and we can say the back door because it's the rugby pod. It's a different back door, and it's a great back door. And Munster have done that this season, and they've done it the hard way. Yeah, I agree. Uh, my favourite moments of the season, two, I'm going to agree with Jim on one of them. First, it was my weekend in Dublin and everything that went around that final. La Rochelle, <laughs> it was honestly the best weekend that I've had for donkeys. And then I had an even better Saturday with my old man this week. But that atmosphere in the stadium in Dublin at the Aviva when La Rochelle won it, it was just something that was very special to be there, seeing that trophy lift and everything that goes with it. So Rog, and it's basically a monster theme this because Rog, Rog is monster man through and through, but he's now La Rochelle's head coach. And seeing the emotion on him and everything that that meant to him and his boys to retain the title in Dublin, massive. And then same emotions, but very different reaction. When the final whistle went and it panned in, the TV cameras panned into Graham O'Rountree in the box. Everyone's jumping for joy. He just puts his head in his hands and has a moment to himself where the elation, and Wig's not uh, an emotional guy, is he, Jim? No. Knowing everything, like Jim just said, people questioning everything that was going on at Munster, Jim's trying to get in the sack and get him the Romania assistant forwards coach job. You're horrible, Jim. But Andrew, they're an emerging nation. They need great men. <laughs> they do. They do. Very true. But yeah, my favourite moment, and knowing the bloke as I do, having played with him and been with him for years at Leicester, watching Graham O'Rountree when the final whistle went and seeing the elation, the moment of head in your hands, loving the moment on your own, I think was absolutely spine tingling. So they're my two favourite moments from this season and a little bit of other news what's going on with london irish because the rfu deadline is the day that this podcast is coming out isn't it well we don't know we're not going to know until that happens so we can sit here and speculate and bring the tone down and i look at it from an unemotional point of view i don't know how they're getting out of it that's what i don't know who's buying a club that is that much in debt with no assets i hope it does happen I hope that the pockets are deep of the next person that comes in. But it's, uh, yeah, this is the shadow that's going to cast over the 2022-23 season of the Gallagher Premiership. And there's not a lot being spoken about it. We've massed over it at the weekend. But actually, when you think about what's happened this year, I'm happy to say it, Andrew, you've done the rounds on it. To lose two unbelievable teams with deep-rooted history and the men and the women involved potentially a third in London Irish. There's no words to describe that. And we just watch this space. We all hope that it doesn't happen to London Irish. So keeping our fingers crossed. But it's uh, ironically, I'm at London Irish's training ground tomorrow for an event with a charity construction sport that I do a bit of work with. And I desperately hope one, if it is coming close to it and the RFU have given this deadline and Premiership Rugby are involved in it as well. I hope they give them more time because the last thing you need is another club to go now. And there's rumours of everyone wanting it to be a 10-club league, but I'll be live on the ground from London Irish tomorrow, so maybe I'll do a Instagram Live with the good news, hopefully. But one thing I hope, and Mick Crossan has put a shed load of cash into London Irish, and he loves the club, cares about the club massively. I hope and I believe that he will keep going until a solution is found so that the London Irish can keep their place in the Premiership as a top club. I've, I've spoken to couple of people at the club and they hopefully believe that will be the case if it does end up not going through tomorrow but 
it's a wait and see game. And I don't want to be at London Irish tomorrow doing this charity event with bad news coming out. So fingers crossed, if it doesn't quite go through, the RFU have some flexibility and allow them a little bit longer or Mick Crossan just continues the baton on until it can go through properly. There's a real dark irony in all this, isn't it? You think about where we were two years ago and we're talking about people, how they need to invest and I'm getting shit off people saying, oh, you can't keep getting people to pump the money in. Now we're begging people yeah. to pump a load of money in. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I don't know, it's a mess. Right, let's finish things off then with the good, the bad and the ugly. Yeah, let's. We're going to start off in France and Lyon get a shout out in the good this week. They smashed Bayonne to leap up to third place in the top 14 and get a home quarter final. They're going to play Bordeaux, so big shout out to them. Big movers on the last day of the season. John O'Ross gets a shout out in the good this week. Had an amazing career at Sale, played his last game, obviously the final. Very disappointed to lose that for him, but a hell of a career. Likewise, my old friend, Mathieu Bastereau and Sergio Parise played their last games at the weekend and they got standing ovations from the Toulon crowd and rightly so. They've had unbelievable careers. Yeah, Basta, me and him have had a disagreement over time, but we had a drink last week in Dublin. We're best friends again and he's had a hell of a career. So enjoy retirement. Just don't put 15 kilos on like I did, Basta. Sergio's just going to look a million dollars, whatever he does. So big shout out to Sergio, Mr. VIP. A hell of a career as well for him. And maybe it's not the end. Kieran Crowley, please pick him for the World Cup. He's still got it in him. It'd be unreal. It'd be unreal if he did. Talking about players that have finished their careers, Jackson Ray gets a monstrous shout-out in the good this week. His 309th and final game for Saracens. Uh, one little bit of disappointing news from the weekend. When Faz has gone up to pick the title, the trophy up, should have got Jackson Ray to lift it with him. He's been a club stalwart at Saracens. Deserves every accolade he gets and pats on the back for a monumental career. And what a way to finish your career by starting at number eight in the final, playing well and lifting the trophy and then going on a three-day bender. So well done to Jackson Ray. Faz gets a mention in the good. Of course he does. He overtook me to lead the fly half table with most premiership wins to six. He got man of the match in the final, the most decorated premiership fly half there's ever been now. He's basically the king. Phenomenal player, phenomenal leader, turns up for the big games and really makes a difference. So big shout out to Faz. Can I just piggyback as well on that, on the Faz, Jackson, Ray, the Saracens thing? And I know this is your segment and it's not the shout out segments, it's the good, but Kelly Brown is finishing at Saracens and he's retiring from all rugby. Is he really? He's got a, yeah, he is, yeah. He's finishing up, he's done. He's uh, he's moving into the business world. So What's he doing? It's kind of gone under the radar. Um, he's quite high up at a company. I'll let him maybe tell people what it is because no basically i forgot the name there we go <laughs> he, has, he has told me but i can't remember the name but for what he's given to the game both as a player and as a coach so kelly brun lovely set of eyebrows a woman's name but a legend i don't know why i said but he it's just he just is a legend yeah he is he is and good luck making teas in your new job because you start off as a team exactly there you go saracens obviously get a mention in the goo this week they don't win it but they get a huge mention winning the title their sixth title best team all year fabulous performance in the final all the emotion that goes with that and jim the only thing the other disappointing thing about it was I was half expecting to see you with your shirt on leading the charge in the trophy I lift. got asked to go down onto the pitch no. and I said, not an, not an effing chance. No, I think you were asking to go down on the pitch and they said no, Jim. France, I was like, look, you've done your bit for Saracens and Scotland. I've done my bit for South Africa back in the day. I don't know if anyone saw it in 95. Me and you need to be down there. I said, Francois, get yourself down there. I ain't going anywhere, mate. Oh, no, I thought you were going to do a full John Terry on it. But anyway, shout out to Saracens. You get mentioned the good. But the good this week... 
only goes to one place, and that is Graham O'Rowntree and Munster winning the URC title in the Stormers' backyard. They've done it the tough way, as Jim said, through the back door and the side door, all sorts of doors, clean doors as well. But they have been a phenomenon over the last two months. Coming from where they were at the start of the season to winning the title, it is huge, and I cannot wait to see all the scenes from Toman Park for the celebration of them coming back to Munster, bringing the title back. It will be an epic couple of days there. So big shout out to Graham O'Rowntree, all the Munster boys. It's been phenomenal for you to get to this point, and that's why you win the good this week. The bad. Only got two bits of bad, really, because it's a positive podcast. Well, the bad news, hopefully, won't be bad news tomorrow about London Irish. So we'll go three bits. We'll mention London Irish and what's happening there, as we just did. Other bits of bad. The protesters on the pitch at Twickenham. Just stop oil. Just fuck off, all of you. Stop ruining people's days, you know. It does my head in. You're stopping the motorways. You're stopping people getting to hospitals. Just do one, all of you. Have a wash as well while you're there. That was annoying. But the bad this week has to go to Shauna Brown for her interrupting and correcting presenting legend Alex Payne by saying, it is a police officer, not a policeman. Well, no, Shauna, he was a policeman. Stop bringing your agenda onto TV I really think you need to have a think about what you're doing. We need to entertain people in punditry and engage with people, and you have just annoyed the majority. So, Shauna Brown, you get the bad. And then the ugly. Only one bit of ugly, Shannon Frizzell. He's got previous in different things that are ugly, but he hit on Connor Vest. What a name. Got smashed with a no-arms tackle, no wrap, and he's broken his neck and was left with a fracture of the C7 vertebrae. So Shannon Frizzell, no action was taken by the referee. And there's big complaints come out of the Reds around how the referee handled it. The lads had a broken neck. Connor Vest, well, let's hope you've got a good neck that can recover to stick your vest back on, Connor, because it was a shocking hit from Shannon Frizzell, and that's why he gets the ugly. Thanks, Goody. And you've got a few shout-outs to finish off with, don't you? Yeah, I'll go first. Got a shout-out for Morland Brawl, actually. 10% off with the Cobra <laughs> Pod. <laughs> Dark honey yes. and tobacco. It is coming down. Postage and packaging. These oil protesters are putting me off sending anything <laughs> in the post that hasn't been paid for. I'm your so, biggest advocate. It smells like me. It's meant to be me, but I don't get any. I'm hurt. Well, if you want it, get on mallandbrawl.com and put in your code RugbyPod. You'll I get ain't a having a fucking off. code. I ain't buying that. It's, <laughs> I, I yes, need, you are. I need rights for that. I need royalties. Big Jim 10 works as well, if you put that in as well, just to let you know. So there's two codes you can put in. So mallandbrawl.com, big shout out for that. Because it is mine, 100% mine, dark honey and tobacco. But we have got other shout-outs that are more important. So, Ron Rutland in 2013, and he calls himself a fat ex-prop, not me. But he cycled 42,000 kilometres from Cape Town through every country in Africa to the 2015 World Cup in England. You might remember it. His reward was to watch the Springboks lose to Japan in their opening match, so it wasn't a huge reward. In 2019, he got back on his bike and cycled from London to Tokyo, and he delivered the match whistle banter for the opening match of the Rugby World Cup in Japan to raise money for the incredible Child Fund Rugby Charity. So the momentum's gathering. Last year, he did the same by cycling from Tokyo to New Zealand to the Women's Rugby World Cup, and he's still going. He's currently in Mexico and he's making his way towards France in his fourth Rugby World Cup cycle. You can join him and 160 other riders for the final three days fundraising for Child Fund Rugby from Twickenham to Stade de France for the blockbuster opener between New Zealand and France. To follow his journey, go to race to rugbyworldcup.com and you'll get all the information there. See, that was a long read, just like his cycle. I think there's 
Mate, a bit of irony in that as well. When you when you read that about his cycle, and you said or he said he was a fat ex prop, he must be about twenty kilos now because that is unbelievable what he's done. Yeah, unreal. So he's done the rounds on social media over the last few years under the radar. And now he's made it to the rugby pod. There you go, legend. Yeah. Also, a massive shout out to the officers from the operations support unit of West Midlands Police who are doing the National Three Peak Challenge on the 4th of June to raise money for Teenage Cancer Trust. Uh, in 2022, Kings Norton RFC players Oliver Sims from the under-15s and Chloe Gilmore from the women's team were both diagnosed with an aggressive form of cancer. Both have now successfully beaten their cancers, which is amazing news, and are back playing rugby again. So all the support you can give to this, big shout out to the operations support unit of the Westman's Police for doing that and raising funds. Yeah, great for Oliver and for Chloe. Big shout out to you guys. Right, I've got another shout out. Bedo second 15, the Chuckles for winning a League Cup double by beating Mountain Ash, very rural, in the final, being 23 points to three down at halftime and coming back, a peel back, all the way to win 28 points to 23. Yeah, well done, lads. And finally, a big shout out as well goes to Damien who is an ex-South Sea Nomad and Haywoods Heath player. He's running a 24-hour trail race and raising funds for two worthy causes, the Versus Arthritis Charity and for Winchcombe Park as well. So go well, Damien. Thanks, Scooty. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Producer Robin. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube and make sure you've subscribed on Spotify. Get on the what bike, Andrew. Rugby spot. I will, James. Spot a pod, 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 pod. pod.